0: it's another edition of off the pitch the podcast Uh, i'm mike martinego thanks for joining me hi how are you y'all soccered out um so much going on In this world of soccer. I say that often, folks. But a lot to get into. You have Whitecaps FC. uh, Post loss. I mean draw. It kind of felt like a loss, didn't it? And you could argue perhaps it didn't deserve a draw. Uh, But a 2-2 result on Saturday. uh, V Colorado. A lot to get into about that one. And then a lot of... Not really much rest for them as they uh, get back at it come Wednesday against RSL. So we'll look ahead to that. Some player moves for them. It's the end of Euro 2016, everyone. I've had about mm, 24, we're closer to 36 hours now, to digest Portugal, everyone. Portugal winning Euro 2016, I think... Stunning to some. Not me. I, I don't want to sound like I'm cool or something. I, you know, I, I wasn't counting Portugal out of it. I thought uh, after France picked up that victory over Germany on Thursday in the second semifinal, and I tweeted it, go back to my account, damn it. You will see that I said they have a better shot. They have a shot anyways against Uh, against france germany no way no how in my opinion didn't matter for them all they had to play was france um we'll talk about that a little later on yeah portugal winning the i i that's okay i think that's okay i have some portuguese friends so uh good for them i know i know they're as as we like to say here on the program uh pleased as punch uh, a lot to get into, though, uh, later on in the program. We'll talk some MLS. We'll talk about uh, fields for women's soccer in western New York. Why the hell not? How, maybe even a tax evading Lionel Messi. Is it Leonardo Messi, everyone? Was it his long-lost brother that was evading taxes? I think it was Lionel. Um, but maybe we'll slide that in a little later on in the program. I'm on Twitter, of course, at Mike Martinego. Uh, the show off the pitch, soundcloud.com slash off the pitch. And of course, um, you know this, theprovince.com as well. Province Sports. Me, them, we got a nice little partnership going on. I got a little space there. I put the show up. I'm just witty. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, but you can visit that page uh, at theprovince.com as well. Of course, OTP, some of you kids out there call it that. Uh, brought to you by Milano Coffee on Denman in Vancouver, on the corner of Denman and Harrow, downtown Vancouver, serving award winning espresso and homemade gelato. For more information, check out their website, milanocoffee.ca. Give them a follow on Twitter at Milano Denman, Milano Coffee, West Coast Heart, Italian Soul. Whoa. We got the uh, housekeeping out of the way there, um, and I mean that in, in the most delightful manner. But a lot to get into with this cap side, as I mentioned. Player acquisitions, some coming, some going. Um, but we'll look back at Saturday. They, I, I, I don't know how to put it politely. I don't have to put it politely, everyone the caps weren't good. They, they really weren't good against Colorado. Now, if you look at things in major league soccer and you look at the table, you will see the Colorado Rapids, um, right at the top of that Western conference. They, they are a very strong side. Um, they, they are deserving. They've, they've kept it going. Oh, and I said right at the top. They're maybe not right at the top but they're second right now on 34 points. They're three points back, but they got two matches in hand on FC Dallas. They've been on quite a run. Um, they haven't lost at home. They have gone what? They haven't lost a match, I think, since in, in three months. I mean, that's pretty staggering for, for Major League Soccer, for the MLS, um, for Major League Soccer. The fact that this... Colorado side can go on such a run here. And they picked up a lot of draws along the way. They, they aren't winning machines. They aren't, you know, from 18 matches, it's not like they've won 15 of them. They won't, they've won nine of them. Um, but they, they get points. And that's what they did against Vancouver on Saturday night. But what has to be mentioned is the fact that, and I said it on Monday on Twitter, that Colorado, for me, and yes, the Caps had some chances, and it certainly opened up as Vancouver was up a man on a very questionable red card uh, to Eric Miller for his challenge on Pedro Morales. But for the most part, Colorado bossed that match. And you know, if you, if you were to look up a definition of a, of a home match and, and the home team taking it to the traveling opposition... That would have been it, and and you're probably wondering, Mike, what the hell are you saying? It was a it, basically role reversal. Colorado came to BC Place and just manhandled that match and and controlled every bit of it. I mean, first half statistics were were quite staggering. I mean, Colorado up near uh, close to seventy percent possession, and they had the majority of the shots. I mean, I think in, in all it was ten against four or five not on target of course but um, it, David Osted was so busy in that in that opening 45 and Colorado was just the busier opportunistic side in that first half and and really expressed themselves um it was it was quite something and it, it was it was really upsetting from a White Caps perspective and insane all of that. Vancouver had the one nil advantage via a goal from Kendall Waston. Um, big, big for him. And you, you, you listen to this podcast, and you know that. Uh, and I, it's never. There is no ill will. There is nothing mean meant by it towards Kendall Waston. I, but I have criticized his decisions, his decision making. His questionable play, he hasn't been good, but he was able to get a nice goal there in the 10th minute, but the, you you take the good, you take the bad, uh, I forgot the next line, the facts of life. Uh, where's Tootie, everyone? But you know what I'm saying, Kendall Waston later in that match, he struggles um, on a couple of occasions, so yes, he gets his goal, yes, Vancouver has the advantage in the opening 45. But again, Colorado was the better side. More on Kendall Waston as uh, as this show rolls on. Um, again, it was it was almost like a home half for Colorado. They were for me. They were just completely dominant. The back line for Vancouver, and so this does apply. I'm looking at you, Kendall. Hey, how's it going? Um, but he, along with his with his colleagues at the back, Jordan Harvey, Tim Parker. Jordan Smith, what, why are you still here? Um, they they had their difficulty, uh, positioning-wise. And and we know that this Whitecaps back line has had its struggles. You look at the goals that David Osted has conceded this year. What are they at? 33 goals against in 19 matches. I mean, uh, Weebs had the stat on Saturday night. Um, I mean, it wasn't a rocket science-type stat, but... A year ago, they concede 36 goals. They've played just over half their season here in 2016, and they're three goals away. I mean, it's it's actually pretty disgusting from a from a Whitecaps defensive standpoint to concede that many goals. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and nobody's talking to me as uh, as I'm going here. Um, but no, they they are second worst in the league. Oddly, uh, oddly enough, NYCFC who top the way they're in the Eastern Conference, uh, have the worst goals against. They score a lot of goals, but they've, uh, they've given up a truckload and, and one more than Vancouver. Um, but insane all that backline, and, and I'll get to the Caps acquisitions on Monday that can potentially help, but it has to do with the midfield too. And, you saw it in that in that opening 45 and into the second half as well. I mean that midfield at times was getting torn to shreds. Um, you know, Matias Lava hasn't had a great year. Uh, Pedro Morales he is he's not a uh, defensive stalwart, uh, as it were. You know you can always question the I would say defensive commitment from the likes of Christian Bolaños and, and Kakuta Mane. Um, you know, the list goes on. Andrew Jacobson, who, who for me is still one of the better caps, you can question him on the equalizer there late into the match uh, via uh, Huberg, um, But, you know, he he does add something, but he wasn't incredible on, on Saturday night. And, yeah, you, you see it time in, time out, where... You know, the Caps do get their chances and they are able to attack on the counter. But, you know, it it, not to sound incredibly cliche, but the fact is defending usually starts at the front. Um, And and that could sound funny. um, But the fact is if you have players pressing high and if they get beat, well, you have another line. And if those guys get beat... Which the Caps have been, then it it's it, they are depending on their back line, which we've seen so many times this season. The communication or lack thereof has has really come to the forefront. And David Osted, I, I'm I'm sure is uh, has been disgusted with maybe not necessarily his play, but the team in front of him. Um, they are just they're just giving. Chances away, like like it's going out of style, and the opposition are are taking those chances. So, you know, when we see the moves on Monday of uh, David Edgar and Marcel De Jong, um, positive reinforcements, I suppose, from a you know center back, right back position, uh, maybe up the left hand side in the case of De Jong, maybe he can play some midfield, um, but. <laughs> When 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 you look at things here, and, you, and you're not going to just only focus on the on the central players because there is so much coming up the flanks as well. But Matthias Lava has had a difficult year, and on that on that equalizer that Colorado gets late on in the match, and I will try to go back chronologically here, but just to skip ahead, the 2-2 goal. I mean, it does kind of start with Matthias Lava uh, losing a header in the midfield and you know, Colorado is able to capitalize, push forward, get down the left-hand side and, and across. I have no idea how that cross gets through, by the way, it's a nice one from Kevin Doyle, but I don't know how he, he does that to both Kendall Waston, who maybe you could argue is a little out of position with Jordan Smith. Who's, who's following, he's kind of in no man's land. And then you kind of leave a guy wide open at the back post and that's what I mentioned before with Andrew Jacobson. Also, the position positioning there because he looked a little lost as well. Uh, but it was Laba who lost that header to Cronin at I think just before the 94th minute, where uh, it kind of all went downhill. Um, yeah, it's 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 been it's been ugly stuff. And and again, as much as I've criticized the likes of well, primarily Kendall Waston, Let's be honest, Tim Parker hasn't been sharp as hell either, but, I mean, it is a team sport, and and, and it's, this isn't down to uh, Kendall Waston apparently not hearing a whistle at the end of the match, or, still, I'm going with this one, taking out David Osted in that Voyager's Cup match. Um, it's more so, in, especially against Colorado here, it's more so that opposition coming down And just beating that midfield, and then kind of tiring out that back line. And there's, you know, again the commitment to defending and the outside players and Kakuta Mane, of course, who most recently was was sat in Los Angeles because you know they had to send him a message. Again, questionable in my mind. You know, he we know that he is not the best of uh, defending wide players. Um, Interesting to see as it was a bit of a poor segue, let's be honest, but interesting to see here what happens with Kakuta Mane, who picked up an injury as you're well aware in that first half. And (laughs) Eric Hurtado came in. And again, I I think I have asked this before about whether or not he may have photos. I'm not sure. Um, Eric Hurtado does, do some good things. But I've, I've mentioned this a few times and I think I said it on Monday on Twitter. Uh, You know, I am I'm actually stunned at how Eric Hurtado has been able to fall out. uh, I guess play decently, then fall out completely, get sent packing, goes on loan. And they did say the right things. They didn't, they didn't close any doors. They didn't say anything negative about Hurtado. And he comes back and finds his way back in. You simply don't see that often in soccer. Soccer, you don't see that often in this game. And you know, when you when you eh, we'll compare it more so to maybe the European or South American clubs. But when a guy's on the outs, he's pretty much out. If you're sending him on loan, you're not. You, you don't don't always get second chances. I mean, it's it's more often than not. I won't peg a percentage on it. But it just simply doesn't happen often. But in Hurtado's case, he's been able to come back, work his way back in, and, you know, you you could, uh, and some people said it on Twitter, oh, Mike Mike must be happy because Blas Perez got a start. Um, and I kind of was. I've been wondering why Blas Perez hasn't started for quite some time, and Hurtado is is the guy to sit down. But then he's the first guy up when Kakuta Mane gets hurt. Um Nico Mesquita, for me, probably a, a better option. Hey, what do I know? But uh, Hurtado gets the call and and he was there. I mean he, he had a good flick in that second half in setting up uh, Christian Bolaños and Tim Howard made a, a tremendous stop there right on the goal line. But just going back to Kakuta Mane, you know, some some reports I think it was Weebs again who said that you know the news As of now, there's nothing confirmed. There's nothing. There's no official diagnosis, but Rabo indicating that it didn't look good. Um, That's concerning, isn't it? With Octavio Rivero now uh, gone to uh, Colo Colo, and yes, Masato Kudo is coming back, but uh, this is a side that (laughs) you'd have to say is is kind of thin on goals. And yes, they get contributions, as we saw. Um, uh, across the board, really, but as we saw against Colorado, from Teixeira from the spot, extremely fortunate, by the way, um, and from a set piece in in, uh, Kendall Waston, or a second phase, anyways, of a set piece. But you get the idea. The the goals are spread apart, but I'm not the only one to wonder this. If the Caps had a go-to guy, a guy who for the entire season, could score 15 goals. A consistent player in that regard who balls at his feet and you know what's going to happen. If they had a guy like that, where would this team be against where they are right now? Um, That is the question. Another question I had with regards to Kakuta Mane, why did they keep him out there that long? I mean, you, you saw that he went down hurt and... He was hobbling around, and he was he was doing. I, when Kakuta was hobbling around, he did some of his best backtracking. By the way, I, I thought he was really committed to defending as he hobbled around. Could that have posed some, you know, and and caused some extra damage? I didn't. I didn't understand. I mean, yes, Eric Hurtado didn't have his shirt on at the time, but you know, go down, get the stretcher, um, take your time, and. You know, it was basically 11 v 10 there. And again, probably not the smartest decision. And I ain't no doctor. And I, 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 I'd I, like to think there was no additional damage caused. But, you know, you're forcing this guy to to stay out there on the park and, and d- attempt to defend. And it looked extremely painful at the time. Um, Mane, he was you know, if you were to put player ratings and give him a grade, I, I think you probably would have to go down the road of of uh, I guess not well not a zero, but a kind of an na, you know like you, you just really wouldn't wouldn't grade him because he didn't have too much time in that match. Um, there were a few times where he had the ball at his feet. but you see it. I mean, <laughs> this is a guy who has so much pace. And and we know that speed kills, but what's he going to do with that ball? I mean, we we saw a few times. I think there was a, one in particular, Blas Perez to his right. Maybe he couldn't get the ball to Blas, but Mane is just it's just a straight line. It's a B line, and you know, defender sticks his foot out, and attack complete. It's it's done. Throw it away, and Colorado goes back the other way. So. You know, I've I've wondered this out loud on numerous occasions about Kakuta Mane and whether or not he has plateaued and that, that I think that question is still there. But at the same time, a kind of plateaued Kakuta Mane is still a very influential figure on this White Cap side. Um I know the Americans are all about him, by the way, because I think Major League Soccer only knows one white cap, and it's Kakuta Mane, because they are hoping that one day he will play for the uh, U.S. Uh, national team. I, 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 again, he's a very, uh, in my mind, a very one dimensional player. Um, and I don't know what the future holds. Of course, there was speculation and, and talk that maybe because of his absence in Los Angeles and with the window opening, that could have been something there, but it would appear not to be the case. Uh, but we'll see here moving forward and we'll see how long Kakuta Mane is, uh, is out of this Vancouver lineup. Um, Tim Howard, by the way, did you like his tights that were, were those pa- particularly for turf? Um, uh, quite the look, you know, it was, it was almost like a, a more modern version of uh, Gabor Karai, the, uh, Hungarian keeper there at Euro 2016. So for all the well negative commentary about the caps there in that in that opening 45, at a one 0 lead, um, and so things were looking okay from a scoreboard standpoint. Again, statistically, I, I thought they were demolished really, and they were so second best in that first half. Uh, second half, you know, Colorado continued to to push the play um, through the likes of of Doyle, Papa. You know, they didn't have Jermaine Jones in the lineup. Uh, Gashi, who returned from a very uh, quiet Euro 2016, Gashi. By the way, he I think he's nailed the used car salesman look, kind of that greasy, uh, questionable look. Uh, <laughs> he, I, I'm not trying to be mean. He just he, but he kind of has it and he had a very influential match i mean he was all over the park he had he had a few chances he played provider as well he he was a bit of a nightmare when, especially going up against jordan smith and i should say jordan smith had the nightmare dashi was was crushing him time after time and as i mentioned he played provider there for kevin doyle And as I also mentioned, I like saying that um, earlier I mentioned Kendall Waston, he scores the goal and you take the good and you take the bad because on that equalizer there for Colorado, Kendall Waston, a bit, a bit flat footed and gave Kevin Doyle uh, too much space. And, you know, it looked as though Kendall was thinking maybe he could, could, could block a shot. And he just kind of fell behind the run. And, you know, it was... You know, you, you could pick out a number of players there because Jordan Harvey kind of overcommitted and, and Parker didn't do well. And the, and the back line had their problems. But again, it, it's not in, entirely on them because this was a Colorado side that was pressing and gave the midfield and, and, and gave, as I've talked about, that back line numerous fits. And they were kind of due at that point. But from a back line perspective, while it's not all on them, they got things to work on, including that communication. And I don't know if it's a case where we've seen rotating center backs because, well, Kendall Watson's been suspended every second game. Um, and a right-back position where Fraser Ayres has been in, and then he hasn't, and then uh, Jordan Smith's been in, and, oh, man, Jordan Smith is, you know, I, 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 he's improved. He has improved, but there are still a number of things, in, to me anyways, that are, that are lacking with him. I mean, his distribution is um, so hit and miss, usually on the miss side of things his defending is, is not sharp. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, if, if you were to make up some categories, um, he would kind of fall in that athletic category. I mean, this is not a guy for me anyways, who, who kind of falls down the line of, of technical ability. Um, Doyle almost had a second when Harvey was beat and Kendall Waston with a pretty goal line, a uh, pretty nice goal line clearance to, uh, Prevent it from being two-one uh, at the time. As I talked about earlier, and I've, I've picked out some of the names. This Colorado side, who who hasn't been good here for a couple years, but you know they they've apparently turned a corner, and they're not you know, they're not a bad side to watch. They get a lot of goals in the second half. They've only scored 21 times this year, but they've only conceded 13. Um, 16 of their 21 goals this season have come in the second half. They just they they tend to find ways, you know. And I mentioned Marco Papa, who who's been good. Doyle is finding goals. Uh, Gashi he hasn't he hasn't scored a truckload of goals, but he's influential. Jermaine Jones, who wasn't in this match, but he's done good work. I mean, they got a, a decent back line as well. Uh, they got a they, Sam Cronin's had a pretty good season too. A number of players this Colorado side that uh, that that have really impressed. More to get into from this match with regards to, uh, well, I mean, how, how what happened. Blas Perez going off at 1-1, questionable in my mind. Um, uh, Nico Mosquita gets into the match, who I thought probably should have got in a little earlier. Caps, so lucky, really. Uh, lucky to be at 1-1, and then extra lucky that a red card was shown to Miller on a, on a challenge on, on Pedro Morales. Again, it's (laughs) that, that could have been a, an incident and a card that could have come back to bite the referee's ass. And in the end, fortunately, I think for the game, as well as Colorado, it leveled out and it, and it worked out for, for everybody involved. But, it wasn't a pretty challenge, but I've seen worse. And I didn't think that was a red card. Um, and I, I think at the same time, I wasn't the only one to think that. Um, Vancouver, extremely fortunate to be up a man. Mentioned that play earlier where good ball in. I think it's Harvey who plays a ball in. And Eric Hurtado had a nice flick. Did he intend on that? I don't know. Uh, but it falls to Christian Bolanos who has a terrific opportunity and uh, Tim Howard came up absolutely stellar there to knock that ball away and, had, and made a made a terrific uh, a terrific stop. Uh, Christian Techera comes in for a, a hobbled Pedro Morales. Hopefully he's not done for a, for an extended period of time. and Tachera ultimately wins a penalty. Oh boy, that was soft. Oh. Come on, come on, man, come on. That was not, that was not a penalty. So here we are, Vancouver, fortunate to be up a man. Vancouver, fortunate to get a penalty kick. Uh, Techera steps up the spot. Hey, he got a goal, everyone. Only 14 more to go for the bug. Um, he's got a lot of work to do to get there, uh, considering the time or lack thereof. He's on the park. Tim Howard got a hand partially to it, but he's able to make it 2-1, and they're going to win, aren't they? Tichero had a chance in in, in the 90th as well. He had one, but it's okay. He didn't need to score, because Vancouver was going to hang on and win this. No, no. Why Why would they? Why? They, they, they're a big fan of 90 plus 4, 90 plus 5, aren't they? Just Bad. Just shocking, really, at the end there. Shocking, defending, and then that's, again, midfield back. And I'm not trying to leave the forwards out of this, by the way, but I mentioned Laba getting beat by, by Cronin in the air, and Doyle taking Waston and Smith wide, and they follow. They can't do anything. Somehow that cross gets through. That cross cannot get through with two bodies there. And the back post for Colorado completely overloaded. And I think what they had a 3v2 at the back and Jordan Harvey is kind of jumping, and he's just jumping for fun because Huberg's there and and pushes it past. And a nice header too by the by the big defender to push it past to the far post past David Ostead. 2-2, another late goal, and I nearly went down this tangent about maybe two minutes ago and I stopped myself because I want to go through the rest of the game. But I look at that home record for Whitecaps FC. And holy crap, everyone. It's awful. It's not good enough. It is is very, very poor. They've played 10 matches now at the fortress that is BC Place. And they've won four of them. I mean, a possible 30 points at BC Place. And the Caps have taken 16. That, my friends, is not good. I mean, that is... That is terrible, and you know they've they've won one more match at home than they have away, and you look across the board in Major League Soccer with with the away sides, and, and the Caps have turned a corner really over the past couple of seasons when it's when it's come to their away record, but they've only won one more match at home than away. That is, it's not good enough, and you know they 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 have. Really, one of the one of the worst records, home records, in the Western Conference. Not looking at the East; I don't care about the East. But just from a West perspective, I mean, these are some bad numbers. They have lost a lot of points. I mean, if you want to go, you know, and and the woulda, coulda, shoulda category, which is always fun, should try it sometime. But if you want to do that, sixteen of thirty. You know, let's flip the math around. Let's say it's 23 of 30. Well, now Vancouver's in in third place, three points clear of RSL um, on 32 points. So it's a long season. Everyone's aware of this. There's still 15 matches to go. And how many times have we seen, looking at you, Portland, a team can hit a hot streak in the final, maybe six, seven matches at the end of the year, ride it into the playoffs all is not lost for Vancouver, but right now from this sample size of, of 10 home matches and just seven more to play, it's extremely poor. Um, you know, they've, they've won 40% of their home matches so far this season. And, and that's not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to get more points at home. It's supposed to be your place. It's supposed to be your safe place. Um, you know, you look at FC Dallas this season from 10 home matches. They haven't lost. They've picked up 24 of a possible 30 points. Colorado, from 27 possible points, they've picked up 23. I mean, these are salt. So, they've picked up 23 of 27. I'm sorry, I just shocked myself there. Holy crap, that's really good. Um, and Vancouver, simply not even close to that. Um, So it's, it's something they got to find and their home form is, is something that they got to find and soon really. And I, I talked about it on previous editions of this program that, you know, looking at that schedule and the home matches that were there and they didn't, you know, I threw LA in there and it was an away match, but they didn't leave the time zone. So things were very looking, they were just looking good. They were very beneficial to this white cap side. And and what have they done here with, with these matches? Well, not much. Draws at BC Place. You know, pretty decent in LA. Didn't win. Uh, but here they are come Wednesday when they have RSL, who uh, historically, brief history anyways, when they've come to BC Place, they've been crap. And, you know, some, some talk, uh, some reports, tweets anyways, earlier Monday. Joao Plata um, picked up a knock, so he didn't train on Monday. He might not be ready for Wednesday, so that's only to Vancouver's benefit. Um, but they have to find their feet at home, and they have to take some points because, uh, like I said, if they can even take just tw- you know 23 of 30, I mean... I think about the change in, in where they could be this season in, in major league soccer, in the Western conference. I mean, four victories, four draws and two defeats is, is, uh, is just to put it nicely. It's just ugly for white caps FC. I've, am I the only one who's noticed lately at the end of matches? And it's usually at the end of matches when things haven't gone well for the caps. And I think about recent draws, um, Robbo's been a little pissy with the opposition coach. I don't know if he, I'm not going to say he's Caleb Porter now, but, and he ain't starting fights, but he's always looked a little, little annoyed, a little angry when he approaches the opponent's coach. Um, and I, and I don't know if he's, he's feeling the heat a little bit. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I, uh, I won't go down that road, but. It's been interesting to see. He seems a bit more fiery than usual, and a bit uh, upset, a bit uh, a bit annoyed at, at what's happened. And uh, he's taken it out on the opposition uh, seemingly uh, more than, than his players. No, Gashi, I won't buy that used Ford Taurus. Um, still with the caps here, Octavio Rivero, you saw it. Uh, he got the move to Colo Colo. The news came down. Uh, what, mid-last week, and then I think everybody and their dog at Colo Colo decided to quit, which is always a fun situation for a player who's just arrived. Uh, So he's gone. So they are thin up front. You have Hurtado Perez, who again, stunningly started this match against Colorado. Uh, Masato Kudo as well. I I, I keep referencing the damn Weber. It's okay, we're kind of colleagues now with the province. Uh, But Weebs talked about and he he mentioned it on Twitter that w- with regards to Rabo and and maybe not really showing his cards and not implying that they're going to go out and find a striker. I I think they're I think you'd think I think you'd think I come on they have to get one. No, I, when when you look at things and it's a long ass season and and there's they got the Concacaf Champions League here that gets going. Uh, in in less than a month, they're going to have to depend on on bodies. They're going to need depth. They're also going to need a guy who can score a damn goal. And uh, for for as much as I've gone on about uh, more time for Blas Perez, I mean, he, he certainly didn't fill the score sheet against Colorado. Eric Hurtado, again, the try, the effort, the growth, the growth. It's there. But where are the goals? Uh, Masato Kudo only returning um, recently. Well, he was on the bench this previous match, so he'll get back in. But, you know, with the idea that maybe Masato Kudo is their summer signing, <laughs> it's not really. Uh, no, uh, there has to be someone else. Kudo is going to get time, and you would argue with. How things have shaken down here with the Caps and Perez's time being so limited and Hurtado getting starts. Rivero gone. When Kudo is good to go, um, in terms of fitness and, and really making sure that his face doesn't break again, he's probably going to get a run of matches. And I've said this before, he didn't leave Japan to sit on the bench in Vancouver. It's science, people. He's He came here to play, and you would expect that he's going to get that opportunity. And he was starting to find those opportunities uh, prior to getting hurt. And, of course, we know what happened. So when he gets back in, um, we'll see. But, uh, again, I, and and you see it every day on Twitter, <laughs> who which which striker is uh is going to come. Which forward is Vancouver going to sign? And if they don't go out and get one, and I talked about finding a guy who can who can bag those goals. And I and, and somebody better than a than a Kevin Doyle, you know, and I don't think you're gonna find a Robbie Keane, but probably someone in in that kind of uh that kind of range, that idea, you know, a guy you can count on to bag a few goals along the way here. I mean, uh, this said player might come in for what, maybe 15, 12 matches here on the season. If 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 that guy can bag eight goals, they're laughing um, and they need help up front. So interesting times ahead. We'll see what happens here for for the Caps and whether or not they... They make a move for a player up front. With regards to making moves, Monday was uh, was apparently Canada Day for Whitecaps FC. David Edgar, Marcel De Jong, both made official. There were rumblings about uh, about these two for quite some time. Edgar was hanging around the Caps and kicked around with them back when uh, they were in Toronto. I think it was about first leg for the for the ACC. Um, people have been stalking politely. Marcel De Jong's uh, Instagram account lately. Um, uh, I, I think they they got in and, and checked out his wife's account too, and you know it just seemed like eh, he's heading west. He's I think he's going to Vancouver. Lo and behold, they they were spotted. They were pictured in Vancouver, and uh, you put a you put two and two together, and you hear some some internal news, and away we go. Marcel De Jong is now a member of Whitecaps FC. Um, oh, the whole out of a contract situation played a role as well. After uh, he wrapped things up with the Ottawa Fury, uh, I mentioned it on Monday. I, I and and I just talked about David Edgar at the time because that was made official, and 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 not DeYoung, but I'll throw him in there as well. I, I, no issue really um, from me with regards to these signings. That's good. They need depth, right? They need to, they need to, to clean things up. And there, these are a couple guys who who should be able to add some value. And, and it's great news as well for the Canadian men's national team. Uh, let's let's be selfish here, people. It's terrific terrific news. Maybe D- David Edgar might actually play a match for the Canadian men's team uh, moving forward because he's been called a number of times, and he used to play, but he's kind of been put on the back burner by, uh, by Benito Floro. But again, I see the side having having more than just a few holes at the back. Uh, we talked about that midfield and how uh, they they just simply aren't solid enough, and how opponents, and in, in this case last weekend Colorado, taking matches to them. And as I've talked about, they need to find somebody up front. They need to to get some goals here. That 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 has to happen. I mean, I don't know if they're going to outscore all their problems, but. They, a couple goals wouldn't hurt things for Whitecaps FC, and if they're able to to find a bit of a, a better structure through the middle and 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 get some better communication, I don't know if it's boiled down to uh, again so many bodies in and out and a lack of consistency, but they have had a number of problems this season, and as you can tell from the uh, in the goals allowed category, it's been ugly. For Whitecaps FC, just a staggering number. That uh, with the comparison from a from a season ago to now, to see that they conceded 36 times last year, and here they are through 19 matches, allowing 33 goals. I talked about this on Monday on Twitter as well, Uh, a little tongue in cheek, but curious. You know, players are coming in. You can have 28. Um, they are technically on 29. Sam Adekubi, uh, by all accounts, will be loaned out. And and, um, and Robo confirm that. So that's that's good and bad, I suppose. A shame that Atakubi just didn't get really any time with, with Whitecaps FC. So very curious to see what happens with him. Hey, they brought two Canadians in, they kick one out, right? I mean, it, it, again, it's science, people. Um, but... There are other players on this side, and I threw up the names of Pa Ka and, and Jordan Smith, Davey Flores. You know, is not being harsh on the players. Uh, Smith has got some time on the park, as you're well aware, but, you know, what's what's the end result here? Uh, you know, in Ka's case, David Edgar is a center back. Okay, well, now you have Edgar, you have Waston, you have uh, Tim Parker. Okay, so we're looking a little deep on that front. And for as great of a guy as Pamo Moduka is, you know, is he just here to collect a paycheck? Probably not. So I'm kind of wondering what the future holds for him. Davey Flores, you know, does does he go full whitecaps FC2? I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. it's It's quite something to see a guy who, can make the 18, who can start a match at the start of the year. Kean's froze almost fits this a little bit too. And then just disappear for an extended period of time. And then kind of reappear. Uh, not so much in Flores' case. We saw that with froze recently. But it's it's quite something where, you know, he's he's had some ups and there was a lot of talk about him. And, and you know, he, when he has the ball open space, he can really gallop with the ball. Um, but we've seen that there are some deficiencies in his game and, uh, he, de- he can get overmatched in the midfield. So what is the future? I mean, they got, they, they got him. It would appear long-term. So, you know, where, what do they do with him? They, they have to make the roster, uh, fit. They have to, they, it has to make sense. Um, because of course, everybody follows major league soccer rules. So I mean, it has to make sense. They gotta get it all sorted out. They can't be jackasses about this. That match by the way, on Saturday, Colorado, Vancouver, Colorado with 60% possession. I know it doesn't mean everything, but you look at the other stats there in terms of shots and shots on target, um, saves made. I mean that was that was a that was a big time dominant performance by Colorado um, and, and again that you know you look at that Vancouver home record it's something that they they have to turn around. they have an opportunity to do so on Wednesday when RSL comes to town 730 kickoff at BC Play Stadium and then they got another one days later on Saturday when a uh, kind of uh, well, a bit of a team in turmoil here with Adrian Heath getting canned at Orlando City SC. Uh, They make the big trip from Orlando uh, to Vancouver to take on the Caps Saturday, 7 p.m. And then everybody's favorite match next Tuesday when Crystal Palace comes to town. Um, Aside lacking a number of names in their stop to BC place, I mean, they they touted the fact that they had, I think, what, five guys in the semifinals of... of, uh, Euro 2016, three Welshmen, a couple on France, and Kabai and, and Mandanda. Of course, none of those guys are going to be at uh, at BC Place on on Tuesday, July 19th. Uh, and I'm, I'm very curious to see. I don't even know. I don't think that match is on television, actually. As of right now, it doesn't appear to be on television. Um, and I'm wondering what the ticket sales are like for that one. Because... I think I'm leaning towards not so great. Um, and it would have to boil down to the draw. I mean, you know, I think the Caps are getting some good money out of this one to appear in this Friendship Society Cup trophy game. I, I don't know what it's called anymore, but... You know, I, I there, there's just not a lot of yeah, Crystal Palace. Yeah, let's do this. You know, <laughs> I don't think it's really there. Um, so curious to see what what the uh, attendance looks like at uh, BC Place, and and when I say the attendance, the actual attendance for that one uh, versus giveaways etc etc see that report recently um it's been kicking around for a little while and was kind of republished where the caps didn't want to uh reveal their their actual numbers i think it was in business in vancouver that was something to read i mean you know it's a bit of a pot stirrer and it's something to, to to take note of because it does have implications in the grand scheme of things if you're fudging your numbers but uh Yeah, I mean, it's all about the best sporting atmosphere in Vancouver, really. And uh, the caps are there. Am I right, Real Football Returns? What am I talking about? Uh, I need a break. I need to have another Miller High Life. Um, So I'm going to take a pause. And on the other side, uh, some MLS. Of course, Euro 2016. Um, Whatever else I want to talk about. Off the pitch, stacky. And yeah, we're back to off the pitch, right here. I'm Mike Martinego. Hi, you good? Okay, we got we got the Whitecaps talk out of the way there. I said Kakuta Manny, by the way, and an N A, maybe an I. You know, even though he kind of went past the limit in terms of minutes because you know when I was thinking back to that match I thought he was like a little a little closer to like 25, 30 minutes. It was actually about 43 when he finally came out uh, but he wasn't overly influential uh, in that uh, in that opening. Let's go with an eye. why the hell not? Uh, OTP brought to you by Pacific Meridian Mechanical if you want great service done right check him out. Their full-service mechanical team has you covered for plumbing, heating, gas, from initial design to finishing touches. Pacific Meridian Mechanical oversees your project and ensures that every aspect is handled right. For more info, check out their website, meridianplumbing.ca. Give them a call, 778-227-8219. That's Nathan, everyone. 778-227-8219. What was that voice? Um... All right, Euro 2016, anyone? Yeah, are we doing this? I was actually okay with Portugal and their victory over France. Um, as you know, 1-0 in extra time. The goal via Eder. Uh, he, of course, the other Eder in this tournament. Probably not even the best Eder in this tournament. That um, The Italian one via Brazil, uh, who scored a fantastic goal. Against Sweden in the uh, in the group stage, but uh, Adair of Portugal fame, you know everything. Everybody and their dog came out afterwards because you know what they say: if you can't do it in the Premier League, then you're a bag of crap. Um, Adair spent time where was it at, at Swansea, I believe, and he wasn't great. He didn't score any goals, um, but you know he's he's been kicking around for a while, and he ended up moving to uh, Lille in, in France. So, you know, he, he knows uh, the French League. He knows the country uh, relatively well. Went off on loan, and then I believe it was made permanent. He scored six times at Lille. And, you know, he, he went 0 for 13 when he was at Swansea. But prior to that, you know, this is, this is a guy who had some good years uh, in the Portuguese League. You know, he scored 26 times in 60 appearances Um, for Braga, you know, and then if you want to go even prior, one more prior, why the hell not? Um, He did good things at Academica. So, you know, well, kind of good things. He had 12 and 83, but forced to move uh, eventually to Braga. So uh, he hasn't scored a lot for his country. We'll say this. Hugo Loris probably should have done better on that strike. I mean, that came from far out and it was a, a kind of a number of things that transpired there with an incorrect call and card prior to that. And, and you had the uh, free kick that I'd say, fortunately from a, a good call, even standpoint, the uh, free kick for Rafael Guerrero that went off the crossbar. Um, and then right after and that yellow card went to uh, Laurent Koscielny right after. I mean, Adair just just kind of manhandles him and and shields him off and, and doesn't let him get in. And Koscielny has to be a bit careful too because he's on a yellow and he doesn't want to pick up his, his second yellow uh, moments after his first. So Adair finds that space and some good good play by Portugal as well prior to that goal to keep the play going. Some good one-touch. And beats Loris. And, again, I'd like to think that Loris could have done just a bit better on that one. But what a goal. And great celebrations, too, from Portugal there with the kind of arms out, kind of um, Marco Tardelli style of a World Cup 1982. Very, very cool to see. And Portugal wins Euro 2016, the third-place team, everyone. The third place team from, what were they? Group F. Okay, Uh, on the whole of the 16 teams that qualified, they were number 15. we know what happened. Three draws from three matches. Four goals for, four goals against. And they get to the knockout phase and their path. I mean, say what you will about their path. Well, really about their group first, because... I mean, this is a, a group that consisted of Hungary, Iceland, and Austria. You know, not really, they're not world beaters. And then when you get to the round of 16, Portugal against Croatia. With the exception of France, I would argue that Portugal's toughest test prior to that was, was Croatia. Um, and that was a bit of a dog of a match. But they got that late goal and extra time there via Quaresma to win that one. They went on penalties against Poland. After Poland scored early, they got the equalizer what uh, through Renato Sanchez. And uh, then they finally actually won a match in 90 minutes in the semis when Ronaldo scored, set up the other, a 2-0 victory over, over Wales. Uh, a, a surprising result in the end, I suppose. Uh, and again, I talked about it earlier. When it fell into place that France won the other semifinal, they, they had a hope. What's so surprising, though, additionally to all of this, and this isn't groundbreaking news, uh, not just breaking news, by the way, groundbreaking news, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo getting hurt. And, yes, cue, cue the jokes. I, why is everybody so mean to old Ronnie? Uh, I know he can be a bit of a dick and he can be arrogant, but um, you know what? He He can play. The guy... The the guy is a star, and you know I, I, he he he's pretty honest too. At least he just admits it. I mean, he he's an arrogant prick, but he admits it. He owns it. And I will say this for for all the hot takes that were out there with regards to Cristiano Ronaldo and oh he's a prima donna and he's a crybaby. Oh he should he should tough it out. He that guy there he's no Canadian hockey player. Who is that voice of? Doesn't matter. Um, what I what I will suggest, and there was a report, by the way, and I don't think it's confirmed by any stretch. And maybe by the time you're listening, there's going to be an official report. But there was some reports circulating that he may have suffered a partially torn ACL. Oh, by the way, that's not going to work in playing um, 120 minutes. But I will say this: a suggestion for. Maybe some of you, not all, but most recently, and I and I saw when it when it initially came out the Cristiano Ronaldo I guess movie slash documentary. Um, I watched that a little while back, and I think it's on it's on Netflix now. Uh, and this is shameless plug for the Ronaldo movie, which I'm going to get nothing out of, by the way. But I would suggest to watch that because I was. Uh, One, the quality of it is actually really good, but I was very impressed by the fact that they actually dug a little deep. I mean, they could have scraped the surface and, and made it extremely happy and made him look great. And there are those moments, you know, I mean, this is a guy who is, it's, it's, Kind of um, set in a way where, where, and yes, he depends on his on his mom and his family, his brother is such a crucial element to things, and and his agent. But it's set up in a way where Cristiano Ronaldo is a single father, um, and he kind of addresses the question marks about who the mother of his child is. But you know, he 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 didn't hold back when it came to talk about his father, and his father passed away. Uh, was well, I think it was two thousand five and it was from alcohol addiction, alcohol abuse. and And he talks about that, And he talks about the re- relationship or lack thereof with his dad. um and and he also just talks about how he wants to be the best. I mean, I'm scraping the surface here, and I also don't want to give away the whole damn thing. But I'd actually recommend it. it was it was for for a person who only sees Cristiano Ronaldo, as the pretty boy sob, blah blah blah. I think it's a bit of an eye opener because um, th- this is a guy, and I've said it myself. I mean, he is. You know, after what he said about Iceland, I know it wasn't polite and it wasn't politically correct. But you know, he's a bit of an arrogant prick, and publicly, that's kind of what he does. But um, you know, this is this is a guy who who, and he admits to it throughout the the whole thing. He wants to be the best. The big centerpiece, I would say, around this movie as well is, is the Ballon d'Or and how he wants to win. He wants to beat Lionel Messi. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's won that a few times. He's won the Champions League, what, now uh, three times, and he's won Euro 2016. Wasn't really there for much of it on Sunday, but... It, you know, this is a guy who has contributed to Portuguese football in uh, humongous ways. Um, you think back to how he put the team on his back uh, to get them past Sweden uh, in a playoff. Uh, you think back even to his performance against Wales in the semifinal. I mean, it's it's not like this guy was a was a passenger for the ride and. You got the sense. And, and and you also know that, and it, it's clear from that movie slash documentary, this is a guy who's a pretty tough guy. I mean, uh, you think back to the 2014 World Cup in Brazil after the Champions League. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo was, was beaten up. He was He was tired, he was injured, and he still went to Brazil with Portugal. They did poorly, and they didn't get out of the group. But he fought his way through. I think he got a goal in the process as well. Um, but what a, a great story from Sunday was the fact that Ronaldo aside, what Portugal was able to do. I mean, think about that. A team that has such a, a pivotal player, such a crucial focal point to their side. He's gone. Well, what do we do next? And they were able to do that. Um, you know, did they kind of scratch and claw and kind of hold the fort and didn't play the sexiest of football? Of course. Can you blame them? I mean, <laughs> they're up against it. They're up against the favorites, the hosts. I mean, you're doing whatever you have to do to to extend the match. Um to push it further, to try to try to find your spots, try to capitalize on the counter, try to capitalize off a set piece. They nearly did that a few times uh, when you think about it. And if anything, I, I, you look at things from a France perspective, and, and I said it after the fact, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. And I, I I'd go as far as saying that they choked, that they should have won this tournament. And I mean, I talked about Portugal's uh, run up to getting to the final, and and again, it was it was pretty light. It was pretty soft along the way, wasn't it? Well, you look at France, and you look at their opposition in the group when they took on um, the the likes of Romania and Switzerland and Albania, and they had some problems along the way too. I mean, late goals against um, Albania, and and they're held by the Swiss. And I mean, and they're, they're, they trail in their round of sixteen match against the Republic of Ireland. Um, and yes, they beat Iceland, but these weren't again just like Portugal. They their opposition were not world beaters, and they made things difficult for themselves. And and I haven't been doing I haven't done an edition of the pod since um, the other semi Germany France, but. And it was a penalty, I will 100%, it was a penalty. Bastian Schweinsteiger, what are you doing? But they were so fortunate to be up a goal at the end of the first half because Germany should have had a couple. Uh, they, they were the better side in that opening 45. Uh, but the French hung on, and they, they played too reckless and far too open, yet they somehow did not get exposed and uh, exposed for goals, anyways, and Germany was down a goal at the break, and and didn't really have a whole lot in that second half. France victorious, and and they blew it. That's the that's the easiest and simplest way I can put it. Fr- France blew it on on Sunday, losing that final when you have an opponent who hasn't been that great, who's. Well, you know, arguably the best player in the world, has been eliminated from the match pretty early due to a, a tackle that wasn't called, a bit of an aggressive tackle by Dimitri Payet. Um, so everything is on you. It's it's there for the taking. And yes, they almost got it through uh, Andre Pierre Gignac late in that match. And when he pushed it off the bar, a shot he scuffed, but only hit the bar. I mean, he beat Rui Patricio... And Portugal takes it. Um, <laughs> what what else is there to say? They had chances throughout the match as well, where uh, Antoine Griezmann had an opportunity, and and Olivier Giroud. And I mentioned Gignac, but nobody was able to beat Patricio. They they were. It was there for the taking. I wasn't surprised that Portugal won, but I was more so surprised at the fact that France could not pull it out in the end, and and it was a. Uh, a big letdown, you know, and you watch that match, and Paul Pogba seemed to not really know where he was going, and I think the management of uh, of Deschamps uh, uh, let him down by by a lot. Um, <laughs> Musa Sissoko, how how is he suddenly now worth thirty five million pounds? Are we really going with the uh, the one off here? He had a good tournament, and maybe you know he's playing playing for a move, and he looked great against Portugal as well and and hit from distance and it hit an absolute thunderbolt uh, in that match. Couldn't score, but he had a great performance, but when you look back at things and you see Pogba and you see how lost he was at times and, and you think back to a guy in N'Golo who who played in this tournament but didn't in the final, and I wonder if you partner him with Pogba. Um, if you get a better return from the guy that may go for 120 million euros to Manchester United, um, one of the one of the biggest stars or potential biggest stars uh, in in the world, most richest uh, transfers, anyways. If Juve pull the trigger on that, so I think um, a lot of blame falls with. Uh, Didier Deschamps and in, in, in how this, this match played out. But uh, what a victory for the Portuguese. And, and I mentioned Adair earlier on in his goal. I mean, he came in. I mean, he was fantastic. He, he put in an outstanding performance. Um, you know, he, he enters the match, what, on minute number 79. And he did so well to to kill momentum when balls went up to him. He won numerous fouls. He held the play up well. And, I mean, I mentioned it a few times late in that match and into extra time. I mean, this guy has done a magnificent job, just a smart job against France. You know, France was, was trying to press. They were trying to find that goal. Portugal lumps it forward to it there, and he did so well to just kind of halt things. And then to top it all off, he gets that goal. In minute 109, uh, the eventual winner and the scenes. Oh, the scenes, as they like to say, as uh, Portugal wins Euro 2016. I, I, I'm having a little bit. I'm happy for some of my friends, but I'm having a little bit of difficulty accepting this one. But a great result in the end uh, for the Portuguese. For the fact that you know, it didn't. It didn't all fall into place, and it wasn't as predictable as. Uh, you know, tournaments can be fair to say that not many people had Portugal winning Euro twenty sixteen. Um, I myself, for the for the sake of predictions, I had them going to the semis actually, and I had France winning the tournament. But I had Spain. I had Portugal losing to Spain in the semifinals. They've been on a nice run here uh, of performances, uh, with the exception of two years ago in Brazil. But you know, prior to that, they've been on a good run of of making it deep into tournaments. The Portuguese have. I mean, they made some semifinals, got to a final, of course, in 2004, but uh, quite the reversal for for them as host to lose 12 years ago and now win uh, against the host. So that was uh, that was quite something. I made reference after the match um, on Twitter, and I always I'm always on Twitter at Mike Martinego. But I talked about the real final, and it's a bit tongue-in cheek but when I do look at things, and this is me being biased and also being surly. But that Germany Italy match, in terms of of squads being at the highest level, um, and when you look, you know when you look at the round of sixteen games, and again, you just you just look how it how it all unfolded. I mean, there was a round of sixteen match between Wales and Northern Ireland. Like are you friggin kidding me? When you look at the teams and how they were, Italy coming off a victory over the, the, the two-time defending champions in Spain, Germany putting it on Slovakia, um, and the rivalry, the history between Germany and Italy, the drama that unfolded. I mean, that was, that was something. But also in terms of teams being in form, Germany was looking great leading up to that quarter. So were the Italians. I mean, this is a side that beat both Spain and Belgium in this tournament. Uh, they were they were the talk of the tournament in the in the sense of team in a sense of camaraderie. Conte was the managerial star, and you do have to give a lot of credit now to Portugal's Fernando Santos and what he was able to do with his side. But um, you know it that that was probably one of the um, tactical chess matches of the tournament and how all the respect that Yogi Love gave the Italians and Conte trotting out a three, five, two. It was a, it was a good battle. We also saw that Conte had his difficulty um, really countering that three, five, two. Oh, you're going to come at me with the way I play. Well, he didn't really show uh, a plan B or a plan C in, in that one. Um, but it was two of the uh, better sides in the tournament clashing in the quarters. And we saw it afterwards. Due to injury, due to suspension, Germany was just beaten in the end. They were beaten up, and they didn't have the energy to get by uh, the French. And I and I said it as I watched that match unfold. Uh, holy crap, I wished Italy was in that semifinal. And they should have been there, by the way. Uh, I'm looking at you, old. Uh, I'm going to China and making a boatload of scratch, uh, Graziano Pelé. Uh, you got to bury that penalty at 2-1 up on the fourth kick, because if you do... Italy goes on to the semi, because if Italy was in that semi, this is now me just ranting, um, They, for me, they beat France. The way France was so open and, and so, again, reckless in that opening 45, if they were to, to have done that against the Italians, they would have crushed them, in my opinion. Just in the opening 45, I mean, they probably could have bagged a couple of goals. Germany couldn't find that finish, and Italy was was able to really expose teams like Spain and Belgium in this competition Um, and I would have loved to seen. I'm uh, nothing to really um, go on too much further about but for me if if Italy gets through that quarterfinal I think they win the tournament in the end because I I don't I really don't think that France and Portugal would have been much of a match for the Italians um, the rest of the way but hey everyone uh, woulda coulda shoulda. Angry Italian fan here. Um, a shame for me and and all my fellow Italian fans. But uh, as they were eliminated by the Germans and and Portugal, what a what a story. And I and I got love for the Portuguese. I went there a couple of years ago. That's my moj country drop. Um, I went there. You know, I took in a couple matches back in, in twenty fourteen March of twenty fourteen. Lovely country. Lovely people. By the way, I recommend it. I work for Tourism Portugal. Good, good tournament in the end. I would lean towards no, not really. There weren't really many standout, memorable moments, were there? Um, you know, you had a couple goals here and there, and I'm not saying this as angry Italian fan, but you know, there there are some tournaments that stand out, whether it's Euro or Copa America or World Cup, and then there's some that don't. And when you look at goals per match, I mean, they were down this year. You know, is there the argument to be had about watering down the tournament and, and playing with 24 teams? Perhaps, but it wasn't the best of tournaments overall. Um, and the, and again, that's not taking anything away from Portugal winning. I think their story was uh, was a remarkable one, the way they really grinded through their their group stage matches, and you know, they, along the way, they only win one of their seven matches in ninety minutes. That that's all they were able to do. But they do win in the end, a couple of extra time victories, one through penalties. Um, great story for them. But in terms of entertainment, from a neutral perspective, no, I, I don't. I don't think it was a. A stunning tournament. Yeah, we saw some stories with Iceland, and of course their victory in the end uh, over England. And we saw Wales push on. We saw Belgium choke. We saw some good things from from Northern Ireland, and maybe even one step further here from uh, the Republic as they got to the round of sixteen. But um, overall, it wasn't it wasn't a fantastic tournament. I don't think that's going to go down in the uh, history books as. As one of the best ever, you can kind of chalk it up with uh, probably Italia 90. The World Cup, uh, that wasn't that wasn't really a good one either. I move from the Miller High Lifes to uh, a PBR to wrap it all up. I'm going to close this one out. It's off the pitch. It's Saki. <laughs> We're just about to close out another edition of Off the Pitch, the podcast, aka Pokemon Go. Um, I'm Mike Martinego on Twitter at mike martinego uh, the show, soundcloud.com slash off the pitch. Also on the province.com. iTunes we're almost there, everyone. We're almost there. We're living on a prayer, but we're almost there. Uh, I'll keep you post, as the kids say. And uh, I'll do that via the the old tweet machine. OTP, brought to you by Milano Coffee. On Denman in Vancouver, they're serving award-winning espresso and homemade gelato. For more information, their website, milanocoffee.ca. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Milano Denman Milano Coffee. West Coast heart, Italian soul. Why do I say it like that? Close this thing all out here. In just a matter of moments, I, I wanted to uh, make a couple of references to uh, the old Major League Soccer and, and Toronto picking up a victory over lowly Chicago on Saturday. The one of note, L.A. and their 1-0 victory at Seattle at CenturyLink on Saturday. And I, and I pick that one out uh, in particular because Seattle is trash. Um, they've been really, really bad this year. They are the third-worst team in Major League Soccer. They have 17 points from 17 matches. They've only picked up five victories. They've lost 10 matches here in Major That's the most in the league, by the way. They've lost 10 of their 17 games um if you want and now they're only eight points back of Vancouver for a playoff spot and yes they have another 17 matches to play they are 20 points back of first place FC Dallas in that Western Conference again that's crap um Siggy Schmidt out maybe and uh, a lot of people seem to scoff at that idea I'm just curious what a... A change would do. If maybe it would ramp things up, it would, it would maybe change the perspective, the outlook. Who knows? But uh, they have been very, very bad this year. And uh, Seattle, oh yikes! You have to wonder what will the supporter do there, because they, they've stuck with the Sounders. Not saying that you know two more losses means they're going to shrink from. 42k a game down to five i'm not saying that but does it kind of wear off a bit does the does the shine does the luster does it wear off and do people say wow they're they're being a bit mismanaged and they're crap and we're not going to support this very curious situation to see here with the seattle sounders fc as they've played so poorly to start, uh, well, at the midway point here of Major League Soccer 2016. How'd you like your MLS All-Stars, everyone? Um, you, you see the names there. Really the one that stands out the most. I mean, it's it's a it's a who's who, really, when it comes to MLS. And, and global, or global stars of the past, anyways, with the likes of Drogba, and Villa, and Pirlo, and uh, Dos Santos, Kaká. And then, of course, Keegan Rosenberry, Uh, Of course, you you have to have him Um, as he was named to the uh, All-Star Fan 11. More names to come. I don't really think there's going to be uh, any Whitecaps players, Um, but we'll see. Uh, Yeah, maybe Kakuta Mane will be there just because he's a future uh, U.S. men's national team player. Uh, How about Lionel Messi? We are all Leo Messi, everyone. What a bad... PR move by FC Barcelona, uh, Messi, as you saw last week, um, found guilty of tax fraud, evading taxes, tax evading, whatever way you want to put it, and Barcelona wants to come out and support their player as well as they want the fans to do it. Oh, I, I don't know. That's that's just that's just cringe worthy for me. That's the old shirt collar tug. Um, I'm not really digging that one I am not buying what they're selling the field dimensions in a NWSL match between what was it western New York and Seattle and I think it was in Rochester and if if I got this correct and I honestly hope this was a joke but the match was moved because the the original facility had a concert for TLC um, that is like you, you can't even make that up. Like you, how, how does that, that's amazing. That's, I'm not not even, I'm impressed. I'm not even angry like that. That is so good. Um, and that field looked incredibly hilarious. How narrow it was. I think it was, uh, what just over 50 yards wide. Um, but the photo was (laughs) shocking. It was, it looked stupid, um, and the match went on and, and whatever. I mean, could there be a lawsuit to come? Perhaps we'll see. I, I like, I like jokes and I, I like laughing at things. if, a per, if I see a person walking down the street, you know, a, a person who, who seems to be in good standing, they're not old, for example, or injured. Um, so if they're a healthy person and they fall, I'll probably laugh. Uh, I probably shouldn't have admitted that, but if if you know when I see something like that with with that field and this random park in upstate New York, you have to laugh at that situation. Um, that was absolutely hilarious and shocking, really, uh, for for the game, for the league. And I mentioned it before: Musa Sissoko comes up, his name, the performance he put in at Euro twenty sixteen, and you know the price tag ballooning to a pretty shocking amount but then we see squads and clubs that uh become so intrigued by players and so when tournaments like this happen the 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 stock of particular players uh just shoot through the, the friggin sky um so sissoko being one of them um, we, we, we've seen more praise and, and a lot of talk, and he's already been moved now to Bayern Munich, but Renato Sanchez, um, his name has come up uh, quite a bit. a lot, Just a lot more attention and focus on these particular players. Of course, Paul Pogba mentioned in talks here with Manchester United, maybe Real Madrid sneaks in, maybe Juve hang on to him, uh, because if Pogba sticks around, Juve definitely one of the favorites to win the champions league, uh, in 2017. So questions there, but very likely interesting and busy times ahead here in this, uh, in this transfer window, you even look at a guy like Leonardo Bonucci from Italy and Juventus, a lot of conversation, a lot of scuttlebutt that he, uh, is uh, being looked at by Pep Guardiola and Manchester city. And, uh, A bit of 40 million, I think it was euros, wasn't good enough. So they'll go up to 50. Hell, they'll go for 60. And earlier I talked about Graziano Pelé, who made the move from Southampton to the Chinese League. And he is, uh, well, he's making a killing. He's going to get, what is it, 16 million euros a year? That's an absolutely stunning amount. And... You know, when, when all said and done, he came off a pretty decent Euro, scored a couple times against Belgium, against Spain, crapped the bed and penalties. When you look at the career of Pelé, he didn't really cut it in Italy, so he had to go to the Netherlands, a bit of a late bloomer, reborn, he follows his former manager, does relatively well for Southampton, but when you look back at things this past year in January, they were already talking about how he was going to leave. It looked as though he was going to stay in the Premier League with uh, uh, Koeman as he went on to Everton, was interested, Chelsea interested, but Pelé gets a massive payday to go to China. Um, And I've talked about this before, and it does tie into my good friend Sebastian Jovinko and MLS. I think Graziano Pele has now thrown out his career with the Italian national team Um, I I can't imagine that move is going to be in favor uh, with the federation there and uh, he, he may have just closed the door on things all that said if he sticks it out sticks it out and gets paid and gets paid accordingly and nothing corrupt goes down in china he's going to be a very rich man and he'll be probably set for life oh my i'm so done um you can get me a coffee over here please milano let's do this uh thanks so much for listening of course soundcloud.com slash off the pitch on twitter at mike martinego i swear quit quit tweeting me about itunes it's going to come people i promise damn it we'll do it again next next week post caps and orlando city sc thanks for listening off the pitch hecky